Hi guys, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I am your host, Monica, and this is my brand new co-host, Glenn. Glenn, Hi introduce guys. yourself. So one, thank you for allowing me to be here. So like she said, I'm Glenn. I spend way too much time watching shows and movies, and that's how we connect it. My favorite streaming service currently is probably Hulu, just because (laughs) they have like, they have good originals that come out. But also, if I'm in the mood for an absolutely terrible, I mean terrible in the best possible way that I can compliment something, terrible horror movie, all of the best ones are on Hulu. They're the perfect mix of cheesy and weird and like found footage. Like Hulu is just, Hulu is becoming a giant. I am, I'm very proud of Hulu. I don't know. My favorite types of movies are unfortunately very nostalgia films for the early 2000s. I was really hooked into that. Also, I am very much into superheroes. So if you throw a superhero on something, whether I like it or not, you'll probably get me to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. We love it. We love to see it. And yeah, I would love to, um, oh gosh, superheroes, all the rage now. Absolutely. All the rage. We love to see it. The MCU has kind of taken over. Oh, definitely. We could could talk about that in another episode, how like directors suddenly hate superheroes and like superheroes are like, I don't know. Yeah. I totally, that's, that's, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, this is Glenn. Um, and we're going to start off the podcast. We're going to start off with a cute little segment at the beginning, just to dip our toes in. Uh, and the segment is called I Can't Wait to Watch. So we're going to talk about like some movies or TV shows that we can't wait to see that may be already out or about to come out. And the thing that I can't wait to watch is Venom, because it just came out recently. Same, I same. I, yeah. I cannot wait to watch it, because I was definitely a tumblr girl back in the day uh and yeah 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 so like the monster fuckers are coming out and i'm not like i'm not opposed to it i'm here for it and i remember when venom was announced and i was like i might look at this because this looks interesting because i don't mm-hmm. usually i like dc movies like i'll defend dc because sometimes they drop the ball but i was like you know what maybe this will be good and exactly. a lot of people didn't like it like the critics and i was like I don't care about what they have to say. Girl, let me go in. And I saw that movie, I saw the first movie five times. In theaters. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it was it's... worth it every single time. <laughs> yes. And the thing is, like, I do not trust Rotten Tomatoes. I think that, like, that kind of site, like, you shouldn't go to that site if you want to, like, learn what movies are good. Like, you should just go in and, like, see what you like. And it really is telling when, like, the critic score is, like, trash. But the audience score is, like, this is amazing. So exactly. I cannot wait. I can't wait for um, whatever Andy Circus has in store for us in the new in this new Venom movie. Hopefully, I get to see it, like, this week, maybe next week. I don't know. But, like, I can't wait. I definitely, okay, so I'm going to be 100% honest. I completely forgot that it was coming out, like, soon. Like, I know that now it's already out, obviously. But mm-hmm. I completely forgot. It snuck up on me. I saw, like, um, just, like, a trailer on YouTube, like, an ad. And it was, like, out now. I was, like, out, out now. Yeah. Like, right yeah. now. Like, I thought, I kind of, like, just assumed, because, like, you know, it has, like, a scarier vibe to it, that it would be coming out, like, closer to Halloween. I was, like, oh, okay, like, it probably comes out, like, right around Halloween weekend. I was like, okay, like, so that's where it was in the back of my head. And then I saw that's out and I feel mm-hmm. behind. <laughs> I think it's a pandemic because like 
for a long time we weren't checking for movies you know because mm-hmm. everything was going to streaming it's awkward. so now that things are coming out in theaters now so it's like oh i gotta look and see what's coming out now because i can go to the movies again mm-hmm. so I, I am excited yeah so what are you excited to see glenn um i'm excited it comes out in i think it's just about two weeks um dune so i absolutely i was a lit kid when i was when i was growing up yeah absolutely so i absolutely love the book obviously all the trailers i've seen look amazing um also i will admit my bias i have been accused of worshiping any piece of land that zendaya steps on so Mm -hmm. that may influence how much i want to watch this movie um I, I don't understand how she does it. She is somehow in six movies every three months. She definitely like used to like sparse. Like there was a time where she wasn't really like she was just like chilling. I remember there was a time in her career where she was just like not really doing movies or like TV. Like I think she was on one show, Casey and cover on Disney, and she was mm-hmm. just like chilling at home with her dog and her mom and like having fun and. Ever since she got into like, ever since she got the cast in like Spider Man, yeah, she's been hopping say, in the auditions. When we're talking, she's, when when we have our MCU talk, that's another thing we need to talk about the MCU effect. Because once you're in the MCU, mm-hmm. like y- you're thrown into everything. Like we see that with Robert Downey Jr. We we're currently seeing it with Tom Holland with Zendaya because they're yeah. like the bright young new actors. Um, it happened to Chris Evans. Uh, it kind yeah. of happened with Chris Hemsworth a little bit less so, but mm-hmm. um, it's happening with um, Chris Pine right now. He's like jumping in a few different things. So there's definitely an MCU effect that needs to be addressed in the future. Yeah, yeah, I definitely would love to discuss that. And I am excited for Dune. I was a little like, when I heard the movie was coming out, I was a little hesitant about it because. Oftentimes when people try to make films out of books that are like long or like complicated, Mm -hmm. sometimes like the film doesn't match up and that's unfair because books, you can allow, like books are books. There's nuance in books. You're reading it. You're taking time. You're taking pace in a story. With movies, it can't be like more than three hours long or else people are not going to watch it. Exactly. So I am excited because Dennis, how do you say his last name? Uh, shoot, the, I don't know. I'm going to mess it up if I try to pronounce it too. Dennis, it's like Villeneuve. Villeneuve. I probably messed that up, but he's a great director. So, you know, this movie is going to be, and also the cast is stacked. Mm-hmm. It's stacked. So, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Oh, um, this is so crazy. Like, there's an MC, there's a Marvel movie coming out. There's like a huge movie coming out. Like, and like it feels like with movies coming out now it feels like things are normal even though they're I not but it just feels like yeah it feels like these are like slowly coming back to normal you know i can almost yeah, believe so. that we're past it it's it's right there it's almost right there. <laughs> <laughs> there and then like something happens you know yeah is there anything else that you're excited to watch nothing that like jumps out right away obviously like there's Eternals, which is the next Marvel movie. I can't mm-hmm. say that I'm definitively excited. It's just the next Marvel movie, so I will be watching it. I was kind of checking for like what's coming out like within the next like month or so. I didn't see anything else that really jumped out at me. So Yeah. I think the one thing that I'm excited to watch is on my block, 
because I the final season came out mm-hmm. this week. So that is when I'm about to like rewatch it from the beginning to the end because I love On My Block. And I feel like it's appropriate that like we're talking about On My Block where this podcast is about um, coming of age films. Oh, yeah. Because On My Block is kind of like a coming of age story, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. more of a TV show. And it's so good. It's the show is so amazing. And like, I'm sad that it's ending, but I can only hope that the actors are like, you know, booked and busy See, after the show comes out. Here's the thing. So especially with like coming of age series, and this is something I'm blanking on like a specific example that I can point out, but trust me here. Okay. So part of what makes a going of age story exciting is the fact that like, you know, the characters are growing in some way. Like you can clearly see mm-hmm. how they're developing as a character. And then the problem with series is that usually if a series is making money, they're going to continue dragging it out for as long as possible. And so it's really hard to have like a steady character growth that is like, you know, necessary for a coming of age show, a movie, film, whatever. And at the same time, be able to have like 10 seasons. Like unless you're an extremely talented writer, like, and as we can see, most of the uh, series that try to drag it out that long end up failing um so i'm actually i guess i would say i'm happy that on my block is ending sooner mm-hmm. because like yeah. hopefully it'll be like like we can look back and remember it as like a complete good series instead of like a series that started off good and then heated off as time went on yeah yeah definitely and i think that like netflix has a lot of netflix has a lot of coming of age um shows kind of like never have I ever is a good mm-hmm. one and then there's like Outer Banks which I haven't seen yet but it has a lot of those shows with like young people experiencing things and because it's a tv show you can ex- you can like explore different people's plots yeah and yeah. like you know the things that they're going through and like because the curse of Netflix and they're like three seasons you get to see it like develop and see like like you know um relationships for and stuff like that and like most shows aren't gonna be like Degrassi which has had like three regenerations yep. one after the other mm-hmm. you know some shows don't last that long <laughs> but uh I'm very grateful to on my block and the fact that like it exists and I'm gonna be very sad when I finish watching it but I, I'm gonna love it forever so with that said we're gonna start off with the main topic for the podcast which is uh, I've been meaning to watch coming of age films where mm-hmm. we're going to sit and talk and discuss coming of age movies. And, you know, we all know what coming of age films are. They are movies centered around young teenagers and adolescents, usually with struggles that they're dealing with in school. And oftentimes romance is involved in these shows, in these films. And um, I kind of want to like talk about our favorite coming of age films and why we like them and what we love about them and kind of like comparing them to like other movies and kind of like talking about typically known coming of age films because like when people talk about coming of age movies you think of John Hughes with Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller and uh, Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club and there are other ones that come to mind as well and School Ties is a coming of age movie that was released 
a bit like later, I think in the 70s or the 60s, and it's seen as one of the first coming of age movies. And then there's Say Anything with like mm-hmm. the iconic scene of the guy with the boombox outside of the girl's window. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you go to the 2000s, there are coming of age films that are you know, known as Easy A, 10 Things I, like, I Hate About You, She's All That, Boys in the Hood, Clueless. And so as time has progressed, and as of recently, there has been kind of a dip in coming-of-age movies, or there's been some kind of dis- kind of disconnect with coming-of-age films that are coming out, they're coming out of, out of late. So I want us to talk about some of the coming-of-age movies that we like, and like why we like them, and certain aspects that we really enjoy about them. So Glenn, I'm going to let you go first. So what are some of, what is a coming of age film that you really like? Okay, so I have to do it. I'm going to apologize. I'm not sure if it fully 100% amazingly counts as a coming of age film, but I consider it one regardless. I am in love with School of Rock. I I will not stand Mm -hmm. down from that. It's like, I think it's an amazing coming of age film, one, because, like, obviously the main character is an adult. So seeing an adult um, still going through, like, a coming-of-age transformation um, is yeah. always, like, nice to see. It's different. It's different from all the other types of movies. Also, I, I do enjoy rock and roll. And yeah. <laughs> what, what movies do we get actual rock and roll? Um, especially, like, in the, the humor with it. Just, just the premise of having mm. kids playing rock and roll in school. It's already funny enough. Like, you could sell me on that premise without telling me that Jack Black was in it or any of the mm-hmm. other things going on. It's just a really funny idea that I think was executed really well. The humor was done. Obviously, there's a little bit of gross humor, but it wasn't anything over the top or anything that really took away yeah. from the movie. And it's also, like, really heartwarming because you get the classic, like, Okay, don't don't like kill me for this, but like the classic like dead poet society kind of like connecting like the students mm-hmm. connecting to the teacher. And it's always such a warm, fuzzy feeling that like it doesn't matter how many times I see a movie about teachers connecting to students and vice versa, it will always hit me because it's I mean it's something so relatable because like everyone, or at least most people I would assume, have at least one teacher that they really connect it with. And like it always brings back such positive memories. So that's why. I consider School of Rock definitely a coming-of-age movie and one of my favorites. I love School of Rock, too. And I think my favorite scene in School of Rock was when the little girl, like, the black girl, she was, like, standing to... She was in the uh, staircase, I think. She was hiding. Mm-hmm. And the teacher, when I found her, he was like, what? What's wrong? And she was like, oh, they're not going to like me because I'm fat. And I was crying. And he was like... Mm-hmm. It was, like, a genuine time. Like, that's monologue that he gave to her and that scene it warmed my heart so much because that girl was the best singer in that class and it made Obviously. sense for her like yeah and it was so cute like I was watching it I was like oh my gosh bro y'all are make y'all are like I I I love that movie so much and I'm so glad it was on Netflix because now I can like rewatch it mm-hmm. as many times as I want to and I know there was a musical made like Andrew Lloyd Webber he did a musical adaptation yeah. of the film which I have not seen yet because I don't have money to go to New York and I haven't found a bootleg because you know neither have I I've heard good things though <laughs> apparently it, it went yeah. well so yeah I would definitely want to check it out it sounds. I love School of Rock. I totally, I'm totally all for like 
you know, it's fine if like School of Rock is like your coming of age movie because why not? Yeah, exactly. it's kind of like yeah, and like those kids are kind of like coming of age, you know. So like that's cute. And yeah, we that. get to see some of their interactions with their parents and how like they change and become more confident in themselves because these kids were, I mean, like they're at least like kind of portrayed as losers at the start and like they have kind yeah. of like an awkward relationship with their parents but like obviously like they get a lot more confident and like clearly like we can assume that their relationship with their parents is going to get better especially like after their parents see them all at like the rock concert and like it's all like happy and like exciting afterwards I think that's like the boost of confidence that the kids needed to like you know maybe confront their parents on some things that like they didn't like that they were doing which is like I mean, that's a good thing to be able to develop young, like the ability to actually talk to your parents about like issues, because like that'll save you a lot of trouble once you hit the teen years. Yeah, it's it's honest. It's that show, that movie. It's so underrated. It's so well done and underrated, and I love it. That's so good. That's a I, great first pick. I think it's partly um, because at the time Jack Black was in like everything. Like that that was during like the era of Jack Black. And there were just so many other movies that, like, were better that, you know, were coming out. So people, like, tend to forget about this one just because, like, that was his era. That was his time. He was in, like, every single movie that was coming out. And now he's on TikTok just, like, having his, living his best life. Okay, but for the record, that entirely makes sense. Like, you could, it (laughs) makes sense that Jack Black would be on TikTok. It, it, It just does. It does. He's he's thriving on there and we love him for it. We mm. appreciate that and like we love that for him. But yes. like what about okay. you? Turn it over to you now. Like what's throw one out? So one coming of age movie that I really liked and it came out recently, came out in 2018. It's called Dumplin'. And it's a movie based off of a book of the same name. And it's about this girl, Willow Dean, uh Willow Dean, her she goes by Will. And she lives in this small Texas town and she's raised by her aunt Lucy, who's played by Jennifer Aniston, which is like so cool. And her um, aunt used to, I think, no, not her aunt, her mom, um, who used to call her like Dumplin' as like a cute little like nickname, was a former beauty queen. And she was just like so engrossed in that, you know, scene. And Dolly Parton narrates this movie. And I was watching, like, I saw the trailer for this film and I was like, I might have to check this out because why not? And then I heard Dolly Parton in the trailer and I was like, no, I'm definitely going to watch it because y'all got my girl in here. And like, what am I going to do? Not watch it? Of course not. I'm going to write that down because I have not seen this movie. Dumplin'? Dumplin'. Dumplin'. It's called Dumplin'. No G. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's like one of those movies that is on Netflix and they promote it for like a day. And then um, it just like it's just there. Okay. Yeah. Like I remember I was scrolling through Netflix and I saw it. And like the thing is, is that like Netflix does this thing where they get new films, like new stuff on in their roster. And you know, like when you scroll on Netflix, it's like this is new, new things on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And you look through the like listing, Dumplin' is like in the third click so it's like down the line and they were hiding this away it's like it's so good it's such a beautiful movie and basically it's about will and she enters into a pageant and you know her aunt is very like 
run of the mill miss former like she's all about the rules and everything and girls gotta look this way and girls gotta act this way mm-hmm. and when she enters the pageant two other girls enter in as well like two other like outcasts and I love the movie because obviously it's like this plus-size girl wanting to be part of this beauty pageant and like it's sweet it is southern it is wholesome there is a little bit of a romance sprinkled in there like just the right amount of romance and right. it's not like it's not like you know a pitying kind of romance or like so it's like here girl you can have this like it's like a genuine kind of like this guy likes her and like he thinks she's cute and she thinks he's cute and Aww. like yeah <laughs> i i loved it and it's one of those movies you watch and you just walk away from it and it just like warms your heart because a lot of coming of age films, they star girls that are like able-bodied and like a certain size. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes you don't see a lot of like plus size like actresses be leads in coming of age films. And if they are, the film is centered around their weight. Yeah. And it is kind of centered around her weight, but it's not centered around it in a negative connotation. Like she's trying to lose weight so people will like her. Kind of like insatiable, how mm-hmm. that film starts with like um the girl from Disney. I forget her name. I think she's from Disney Channel. Her name's like Debbie Ryan. Is it Debbie Ryan? Yeah. Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Like this this show, Insatiable, starts with her in a fat suit, and then like she's like thin now, and then she wants to like she wants to seek revenge on people. Like that's like a whole thing and so many times when you have plus size actresses being leads in films or tv shows like in this is us where like the plus size girl she is just centered around she just wants to like lose weight and like mm-hmm. look a certain way and da 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 and all that stuff but dumpling is like she knows what she looks like she doesn't care and she just wants to like try to do this pageant and you know, at first it's kind of like a protest. It's kind of like, I'm going to do it just to spite you. But then it's for fun. And she's doing it and she likes it. She's enjoying it. And she's having a fun time. And she likes to wear dresses. And it's like, I couldn't feel like I was pretty. So I didn't do this stuff because I felt like I was going to make fun of. But I am pretty and I am beautiful. And it's like this really sweet thing that you're watching. And it made me want to buy the book because I did see it in Target like when the movie first came out mm-hmm. and I kind of do still want to get the book just so I can like, kind of see but the movie is really really sweet and like really great and she connects with her aunt at the end and it's just a scene where like you see the person who's supposed to be kind of like the antagonist literally just like open up and be so vulnerable and I was ready to cry I was ready to just like kind of be like oh you know what, girl? I didn't like you at the beginning, but it's okay. You okay now? Right, you are right. with me. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's awesome. All right, I'll put that on my watch list then. I have, that's so I've, weird. I haven't even heard of it. Yeah, there are a lot of hidden gems on Netflix, and like it's because Netflix has a lot of stuff in their, you know, on their site. They, but yeah, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's very uh, it's very telling when like there are certain things Netflix promotes. And they have like other things you can watch that are probably better than the things they push out to you. Like I remember like my sister was trying to watch Netflix on the weekend and they had this new thing called play something where you can like hit the button and it will like yeah. randomly select something. And all they suggested was like the top 10 things that were already like being pushed out by Netflix, like Squid Game or like The Guilty, that new mm-hmm. movie with like Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. So it's, you, sometimes you gotta like, 
dig for like the really good stuff. But um, yeah, Dumplin', 10 out of 10. I loved it. Sounds all right. So your turn. Glenn, tell me another coming of age story that you love. Okay. So this one is a classic one, but I feel like it, it, it has to be mentioned. It has to be mentioned. I am an absolute sucker for Stand By Me. Um, I know it's a little bit more maybe serious than the other ones that we've talked about so far, but oh my goodness, th- that type of like boys adventure, one, it reminds me of my childhood. I do remember having fun boy-like adventures like that. Um, we didn't we didn't travel miles. We like we traveled right. around our neighborhood. We traveled to the park. That was our adventure. That was that was a big big move for us. It was like a mile and a half away. <laughs> but um <laughs> one, I think it's I, one, I think it's amazing just because, like, it's well-written. It actually sounds like children speaking, mm-hmm. which is something that, like, a lot of movies get wrong. Um, and it's, uh, I guess I would say, just on the other edge of believable. Like, nothing too crazy, crazy happens. But it's still mm-hmm. kind of, like, the premise is still a little bit out there. Just the fact that, like, they're going on, like, a huge trip and, like, no one really cares. And they all just, like, leave. So, like... Suspends your disbelief just a little bit, but nothing too crazy other than that. Also, like, the characters actually have chemistry with each other, so they play off of each other really well, and it comes across very natural and very, I don't know, like, boy-esque, very, like, 10, 11, 12-year-olds. And I also, I have to say, I like that in the end, they really don't stay friends. Like, they end up growing up and, like, moving apart and like they have like different lives and I kind of like that because I as much as like I enjoy a perfect fairy tale where everything like works out and like you know um happily ever after I do like the the realism of it like some people who are like your best friends when like you're 10 like you might never talk to again once you hit high school um they might move away or maybe you'll just drift apart because like you start developing different interests and as right. sad as it is after watching like that adventure with them, it it's like the right type of sad. It was the mm-hmm. the unfortunate, just like this is reality without like, you know, trying to like crush your soul or trying to make you mm-hmm. sad. It was just like, yeah. oh, this hurts because it's true. Mm-hmm. It's like that nostalgic kind of like looking back at like, oh, like what what we had and like what we don't have anymore. I love that. And I remember Stand By Me. I watched it. Uh, I love that movie. And it kind of reminds me of this film called Now and Then, which mm-hmm. is not, it's not like, it's, I think of Now and Then because it is a movie with like a group of friends, but it's like a group of girls and they like kind of go on adventures and like hang out, but they stay friends later in the film. And when you're watching the movie, it flashes back from when they're young to when they're older and the film has like I think um, I forget her name. I know that like Rosie O'Donnell's in the movie, and there are like a bunch of other like amazing actresses in that film. And it's such like it's like those it's a movie you watch and it's like oh my gosh, it's like a bunch of kids spending time hanging out. And I think I don't know why there's something about like films made in the '80s or like the '70s or in the '90s where the dialogue for the kids. Are just like it's like you're watching kids having fun like you're, exactly. you're there it doesn't feel like a movie you're like it's like a home movie in a way 
you know what I mean? I guess, like, yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's like watching someone's memories play out in front of you. It's like, oh, this is cute. Like, this is really sweet. So I love Stand By Me. I love that movie so much. That's a classic. <laughs> and why don't, uh, sorry, I was going to say, why don't direct, I mean, maybe not just like all directors, but why do directors seem to struggle with how mm. children sound today? Like, you know, anytime because, they try to throw in our language or whatever, like how we speak or like yeah. memes or anything like that, it comes across very cringy and very dated and very much, you, you can tell that someone who has never heard these phrases used in real life is using them and trying yeah. to write a script for them. And it's because like in the 80s and like, like even in like the 2000s, you know, the directors weren't that so far removed from their own childhood and the childhood that the actors and the people watching this movie experience. Because like when you're watching like um, Clueless, you know, the dialogue is like so snappy and witty and like, it's just there. And that's because the writers and the directors, like the screenwriters, they knew what it was like to be a high schooler and want to like look a certain way and attract attention and like, just hang out with your friends. But directors now who are like 40 year old men, who have to like try and write um, lines for like young 18 year old girls, they don't get it. They don't understand because they don't even like talk to their kids and they go online and they try to like figure out what the heck kids are saying or like, what is, what's a TikTok? Like, what's this? Like, what's that? It's like, it's not, it's not that it's like too hard for them to get it. They just like, they want to write kids as like, you're on your phone you don't have friends because you're on your phone all the time. You're mm-hmm. all mean. You're all obsessed with like likes and sharing and da 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 this and da 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 that. And then they just make characters out of it. like, oh yes, sis. Oh yes, honey, pop off, boots the house yeah. down. Oh per, you snapped on that. Yes, queen, kill him. Ooh, like it's just. But is it how we all sound? No, <laughs> no, no. Nobody talks like that. And if they do, it's ironic. Yeah. And it's just like, they want to, like, it's kind of like, because coming of age movies, I think directors kind of saw it as like, this was my childhood and I want to make a movie about that. And since kids are living in that kind of same era with that same, a lot of the similar things, they can like reflect on it. It's like, I think Back to the Future is a good example because oh, yeah. Marty McFly goes back to the 50s. And even though, Marty McFly, he lives, he doesn't live in the 50s. He lives in like the 70s or 80s. It's still the same thing. It's like teens trying to ask kids out, hanging out at the malt shop, going to school, going to parties, hating homework. And even though like Marty, like his parents are growing up and he goes back in time to like, he sees his mom, he realizes that his mom was like him back in the day. Mm -hmm. And his mom wants to say things that he was. And like, they had the same buildings, the same like cars, the same technology. And like, if our parents... Our parents are trying to understand us now and they don't because our we were, grew up with the internet we grew up with phones yeah. we grew up with information right at our fingertips and our parents grew up with like encyclopedias and like curfew you know like some things are the same from what our parents knew but some things are not you know um, and that's you you saying that and like saying how they think we talk it reminds me Okay, it didn't come out that long ago, but I am cringing just thinking about it. It was a kind of comedy sketch. I will mm-hmm. I use that term very loosely. Uh-huh. Very loosely. 
Okay, but it was a comedy sketch. It was supposed to be like millennials versus Gen Z. Mm-hmm. And the people that they cast, it was Lily Sign uh, or Superwoman was millennials. And then- Lily I'm going to mispro- Yeah, she was um, millennials. Uh-huh. And then um, uh-huh. I'm going to mispronounce her name, but the the main actress for Never Have I Ever, so Debbie in the show, it's Matree uh-huh. uh, yeah. Ramakan- uh, Ramakashana. I don't remember her full name either, but I it's, don't know who you're talking yeah. about. But, um, but yeah, it was just that, a yeah. comedy skit between those two. And they were having an argument, and you can tell that mm. neither of them wrote the dialogue. Yeah, like they were, they were having a competition of like who was kind of better, or like trying to come on like an agreement between millennials mm. and Gen Z. And the scriptwriter was neither of those age demographics, and it comes yeah. across so bad and horribly. And it, I, I'm pretty sure that only came out like a few months ago because like. They're both popular right now because Never Have I Ever season two just came out like over the summer. So it was probably yeah. like end of summer where it came out. Embarrassing. Yeah. Horrible. I, I I will try to find a link to it and send it to you just so like after the podcast you can experience this yeah. pain. Yeah. <laughs> it was only like 60 seconds. You cannot convince uh-huh. me that that torture didn't last for at least like two hours. I don't understand why people are so obsessed with like Gen Z versus millennials because it doesn't matter. And I feel like one good example of this is Addison Rae going on Jimmy Fallon and she's oh. like doing her little dancey dance. Yeah. The thing is, is like the producers of the show obviously don't know what TikTok is. So they go by numbers, you know, mm-hmm. they assume that the person with the most followers and most likes is a person that people like and a person that people like to watch. Well, let's, let's just it, say it. If they assume that's a a person who is interesting, a person who uh-huh. has a personality. No hate uh-huh. against Alison Ray specifically. I like obviously <laughs> I don't know her. I'm sure she's a wonderful mm-hmm. person, and she's clearly very smart business wise. But like, yeah, she's not on TikTok because of her personality. Yeah, and um, I guess like you know, like late shows in like modern TV, they try to do these things to reach the youth and try to get kids interested in like what they're doing and like what they like, you know, like that kind of stuff. If somebody on the late show actually like spent like maybe like a month or so on TikTok, they would realize that like it's not that people don't like Addison. But we don't watch Addison. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to say no. Uh no. Uh, well, I, no. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, okay, so yeah, I uh, think and this is partially of uh partly what you said um before with like they look at just numbers. I don't think that, like, the writers truly understand, and, like, even I don't truly understand, but I get it better than they do, what an Mm -hmm. algorithm is. Yeah. Um, Because, like, so I have a little bit of experience in that side, and TikTok's algorithm is unmatched. Like, most people that review it think that's one of the best, like, learning algorithms that has ever been created. Because you spend, like, an hour, like, scrolling, like, interacting as you would with content you like or don't like. Brand new account, it knows you. And you will almost never, unless like they're specifically promoting like an ad or something, get a video mm-hmm. that you don't find either funny or interesting or engaging because that's all it takes. It only takes an hour for it to yeah. get to know you. So legit, like if one of the script writers downloaded TikTok, used it for like two hours, we'll give them two hours, actually actively used it, they would yeah. be stuck in the wormhole that we are. Yeah. Like there's content for and- every age group. And there's endless content because there are billions of people using that app because it's so accessible to everybody. And I feel like one thing, if if they actually use TikTok and they interacted with the content, 
one thing you'll always find if you are somebody that watches like Addison Rae, Charlie D'Amelio, mm-hmm. TikTok will push you videos that are similar to them, or they'll push you videos that talk about them. And those videos are usually negative, but they're honest. There are people on TikTok who like honestly critique, you know, Addison Rae, Charlie D'Amelio, Noah Beck, mm-hmm. and basically saying like these rich white kids are doing the bare minimum on an app that favors them and there are other creators on this app who create original content and then the bigger creators simply snatch these ideas and snatch these trends and these dances they don't credit people they don't like share the credit or anything like that and then mm. simply you know if somebody on the late show saw the dance that addison Ray did and spent a little more time scrolling through that sound you would see that there is somebody, usually someone, who's like, this dance is done by this person, and yeah. I don't give this person dance credit. Yeah, it's and just usually, DC. Like, the DC person, tag the person. Yeah, and usually the person has to, like, make 10 videos of them dancing to the song, and they kind of just being like, this is my dance, I made this, give me credit, Jesus exactly. Christ, what the exactly. frick, what am I doing? Like, Addison Ray got, like, 2 million views, and here I am, still at, like, 200,000, what um, the frick? It's like, and we we yeah. we know this as official proof now because for Megan Thee Stallion's song, um, yeah, thought shit, body, everyone agreed. Oh yeah, thought shit. Yeah, yeah everyone one. agreed that they want like all all of like you know the creators, all the people who like actually make the dances. They all agreed that mm-hmm. they weren't going to make a dance for it, and mm-hmm. <laughs> there was never a dance created for it. Um, no. Yeah, we. And it's so incredibly funny because the the specific part of the song obviously that went viral on tiktok was just like hands on my uh hands on my thighs shaking ass on my thought shit every yeah. single dance that we saw which was obviously by like the white creators was doing nothing of the sort it was they were given literal instructions and they were doing like this yes. they were like this they were like mm-hmm. yes like yes the, the hands were not on Maybe. the thighs and there was there this was is no megan the stallion whatsoever you're in the wrong place this is the these are the wrong moves. These are the wrong moves. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. I didn't know that Megan the Stallion created white girl dancing. Like, if you want uh, white girl dancing, you can you can jump over to like a Taylor Swift show. Like, she if you want please. a white girl dancing, do it to one of her songs. Please. Oh my gosh. You're y'all are on the wrong sound. Like, please don't do this. Don't do this. And that's the thing. Like movies like um He's All That that just came out. Mm-hmm. And like that in comparison to she's all that i think is like the perfect study in like coming of age films because she's all that is like the most iconic 2000s coming of age film and the song like everything about it like the song the montage falling in love the betrayal the coming together it's like the perfect formula for coming of age films and romantic comedies and then comparing it to he's all that which like the autotune, the branding, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. bad acting, the mm-hmm. raw, the terrible editing, like not understanding the, like when I was watching the movie, there is the beginning scene where she's live streaming. And instead of it looking like she's live streaming on TikTok, it looks like she's recording a TikTok. Yeah. But there's sound, there are like comments coming up, like it's a tick, like it's a TikTok live. live yeah. But it's record, it looks like she's recording a TikTok. And if you like spent like, I don't know, an hour experimenting on TikTok, you would know what it looks like to live stream and what it looks like to record. If you if you so, literally open the app, because it's mm-hmm. like it shows on the top now, like who's live streaming, like open the mm-hmm. app, click on a famous creator, you'll see how they're live streaming, you see what it looks like. 
it's you have these people who are trying to write movies for kids that are living lives that you have not experienced or you belittle and demean and make fun of and you're trying to make money off of our experiences but you don't even take the time to understand it and then you have these actors that are uh people that like teens don't like don't like you know it's not like people hate addison ray but like she's the popular girl who got everything she got because she was a rich white woman and she was favored by the algorithm Mm -hmm. and she doesn't give credit to like dancers and you know she's supposedly a republican but she keeps acting like she's not but girl we see we read between the lines okay so exactly it's like it's not hard yeah (laughs) you're not not doing a very good job of hiding no no you didn't and you know they're trying to like make these movies obviously to make money and like netflix signed a deal with addison to make more films with her and people are gonna watch them like they're gonna hate watch it obviously and they're still gonna be bad and hopefully like at some point she'll like get acting lessons or something you know like i'm sure addison ray isn't a bad person it's just like the circumstances to her rise of fame are something that doesn't happen to like other people and that's another thing about coming of age films most coming of age films star white girls who are like able-bodied and have a certain look and a lot of coming of age films do not star people of color or women or people who aren't cisgender and if those people are leads in coming of age films the film has to be filled with tragedy trauma sadness it has to be like horribly angsty what i'm hearing is that you want to talk about eighth grade Let's talk about eighth grade. What do you have to say about eighth grade? Okay, so is it all of those things that you just mentioned? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I I true I really like it. I really like mm-hmm. it. I like the kind of vignette-esque style. I like that there was quote unquote no plot. Like there was no like goal or destination. It was just literally the last week of eighth grade. Um I I like that was very awkward at times like purposefully awkward like it actively made me uncomfortable besides like the end like besides like the end part that was like supposed to be like traumatic and like horrible there was lots of times like um just when like the pool party for like the popular girl and like she had to like Mm -hmm. change into her bathing suit like something like that like you don't like you know if you aren't like if you are an able-bodied person who is like seen as traditionally attractive like you don't really like Mm -hmm. think about but like they yeah. stuck on that scene and that scene dragged on and it was long and was uncomfortable to watch and it was empty and it was just like her and we couldn't hear anything like there was just like kind of ambient noise and like background noise of people having fun but it was so like heavy because that was all there was and we could like even though we didn't hear like what she was thinking we know exactly what she is thinking like and they had so many different instances where they did stuff like that that was I mean, it was just so realistic. It was so well done. That's exactly how it feels when you're in that situation. Um, and yeah, I, I really I really don't have anything negative to say about the, the movie. I, I loved it. I was happy that Bo Burnham went and kind of like, you know, like not that he doesn't do serious stuff, but like, you know, he's still known for being more of a comedian writer that just weaves darker topics in. But like, this was not a funny movie. There's, there was no, like, real, like, jokes. It was, like, kind of, like, 
you know, like lighthearted funny at times, was never never purposely funny. Um, it made me excited. I really hope that he gets a chance to direct more films that are like more serious and kind of in that same style of vein because he clearly knows what he's doing with it and did a very good job. Um, and the fact that someone like him, like someone, Bo Burnham, who has, we could probably argue, has never directly experienced most of the things that were addressed in that movie, did an excellent job addressing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that Bo Burnham is kind of like, I feel like he's the perfect medium of someone to write a coming-of-age film because he got famous on the internet pretty young, mm-hmm. you know, making songs in his room. And then he kept growing up on the internet with fame and kind of like being connected to young people through his music and his comedy. And he's, he is young. Like, Royal Burnham is a pretty young guy. Yeah. And he kind of got famous and kind of like got an, like an open door into like what it was like growing up as an adolescent in the time of technology and how it was booming. And he was like a part of it, you know, like he, could easily have an Instagram account or have a Facebook account or or a Twitter account and see the things that young people are talking about and see the things that young people are interested in because he was young and he was like a part of that generation. And he grew up like on YouTube, like around the Mm -hmm. time his video exploded was around the early times of YouTube. So for him to write this movie about like this young girl he's not the 40 year old dejected director who's trying to make a paycheck with netflix and like trying to like boost his career and capitalize off of like young people and their experiences like he's drawing from his own experience as a young person growing up on the internet and another thing that's really great about eighth grade is elsie 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 Fisher, she's a phenomenal actress. Yeah. And she graduated eighth grade when she first signed on to the film. So she's young Mm -hmm. and a lot of the dialogue fits a lot like with how young people talk because you don't want to watch a movie with young kids and they're talking like they're in a Shakespearean play. Like, oh my gosh, Bobby did text me back. We need to address that next after we're done with eighth grade. We need to talk about, (laughs) we need to talk about 27 year olds playing like 16 year olds and how yeah interesting the dialogue comes across when that happens but it's way now yes she's amazing um she did absolutely perfectly obviously the entire film rides on her shoulders and she carries it i love the end scene with her and the kid and they're just like sitting and they're talking and i'm watching that seat and i'm like i've had conversations like that in middle school mm-hmm. i've hung out with kids exactly like this exactly. like this yeah yeah, I get it. Yeah, I love Somebody it. was spying on me. Somebody wrote <laughs> down my life experiences and made a movie about it and didn't bother to pay me. Like, sometimes when you're, like, living your life, you, like, look to the imaginary camera and you see something stupid happen and you're like, like that exactly. imaginary car- camera was picking up. Exactly. I, I still do that. Every once in a while, I hear <laughs> someone say something dumb, I'll be like, am I being flanked? Is there a camera here? It's like, what where's the joke what's going on here what's going on what's this yeah no i 100 percent agree i love eighth grade but I also love that movie. oh sorry go ahead no i was just saying i was just gonna talk about how much i love that movie and like 
I'm so happy that Bo Burnham made that film because mm. I feel like people would know him as like, you know, he's a comedian. He's a comedian yeah. that sings and makes comedy. It's so wonderful that he made that movie and it is similar to his comedy where like, it's not like, his comedy is very much like funny, but also like nihilism. Yeah. Like here's something that's true about the world and it sucks, but we're laughing at it. Ha ha ha. But you shouldn't be laughing about it. You should be taking it seriously. And he takes kind of like that aspect to his comedy. And instead of like, there's kind of like an over exaggeration to his comedy sometimes because it's like it's song mm-hmm. and he kind of like minimalizes it and puts it in like this little box and it's like, here you go teens. Here's something for you. And it just, it, it links, it's it's good. It's really good. And um, I think part of the reason why Bo Burnham is so connected, not just obviously because he grew up with the internet and he's famous because of the internet, but also he isn't just someone who grew up with the internet as kind of like a generic influencer, like insert, I don't know, any straight, white, cis male mm-hmm. uh, influencer of the last like 10 years um, yeah. from... Cameron Dallas to Noah Beck and every single person that came in between. Um, He has a definite and very noticeable effect on, on teens life and culture. Like I, one, it's very hard to find a a, a teen or like someone in, I guess like their twenties now that like didn't, doesn't have like a prominent memory of like, a Bo Burnham song or like the first time they discovered him like that's and now they do because TikTok has run every single song of his into the freaking ground well yeah 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 they have but like um I guess the point I'm trying to make is not only did he grow up with the internet but you can direct like you could write a research paper directly pointing on the exact effect that his music had on teens yeah I think I yeah I've seen it referred to as the the Burnham effect like it's an actual like I guess now that's a little bit later a studyable effect that he had on teen culture as a whole, which makes him obviously infinitely more well-connected because he can see in real time exactly how what he's doing is affecting mm-hmm. not only his fans, but people who have never heard about him until right that second. Yes, absolutely. I 100% agree. And I think that we should talk about um, the teens and like, it's good that you bring up like Cameron Dallas is that who you said? Cameron yeah, Dallas? I said Cameron Dallas. Yeah, Cameron Dallas, Noah Beck, and like the the weird kind of like how I don't know if you know this YouTuber. Her name is Kenny JD. She does movie reviews too, kind of, and she has like this thing. She has this thing. It's like it's a song. I'm gonna do it right now. I'm gonna do it right now. It's like. 25 year old how brooding teenager <laughs> it's like why is this 26 year old person playing a 17 year old kid in this in this show oh you know oh and you see it on netflix the most you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's um it's okay it's, it's okay it's okay you can say 13 reasons why it's fine <laughs> <laughs> i hate that show so much I hate that show so much. Oh, one day we need to do a, a podcast about like mental health and like how it's characterized in film. Mm-hmm. And we need to, I, oh my gosh, I cannot, you don't understand how much I hated that show when it first came out. I wanted to start a letter writing campaign to Netflix. And like, <laughs> I wanted to find the, the only writers. One. I know people who wrote letters to Netflix. I wanted to square up on anybody who defended that show because that show 
it's it's like it's yeah netflix they were wrong for that yeah. they're wrong for 13 reasons why insatiable and mm-hmm. like so many other shows but yeah, yeah, what was um the point that you were getting at with like Camwin Dallas and like those type of like influences? Because you were going somewhere I completely derailed right. you. Right. Okay. So like I think that with like people that look like men that look like Cameron Dallas or like Noah Beck or um oh, okay, like also like Tana Mojo, there are these like young people that are like um they're young, they have huge platforms for mm-hmm. like young people in like people are attracted to them they like watching them they connect with them but they also look older and a lot of the things that they share online are older experiences and i think that connects to netflix casting 25 year olds as teenagers because when adults look at the internet and they look at the young people that are popular now they see these 18 year olds and 19 year olds that look like they're 25 and they see the numbers they have and the followers they have and they think oh these are the people that you want to see in movies now. Like, you don't want to see a Molly Ringwald. You don't want to see an every regular, regular kind of person. You want to see a teenager who looks like they could walk down the Victoria, like, secret, like, runway. Mm-hmm. So they continually cast, like, you know, these young 20-year-olds to play 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, and then they also write shows where teens are going through mature scenarios or mature situations like in Euphoria, how these teens are experimenting with drugs and going through these different things. And even though there are teens who say that like, that's normal, that's what kids go through, that's what kids understand. It doesn't mean that like all teens deal with that. There's like certain different teens deal with different things and go through different experiences, you know. Exactly. And not every single teenager is gonna try acid on their first coming homecoming dance and then like go to the top of the mountain overlooking the town mm-hmm. and like they hump saw some guy that in we car. were arguing to legalize weed and they thought we meant that we were absolute drug addicts. Yeah. That will grab a handful of pills at the party and throw them in. And by party, I mean homeroom. Yeah. Like we're passing around the bucket of pills before school. Like we're passing around this like tinted uh, drink bottle that has tequila in it, or like passing it behind each other's desks. When that's not the case for most kids. Exactly. And it's marketed to adults because adults, for some reason, like think that teens want to see this. But also adults are watching these shows and thinking that this is how teens act, but they're not asking teens how teens are, you know, and there may be some kids who do have friends that are like that. But that doesn't mean that like you can generalize teenage experience through like wanting to have sex on prom night, trying alcohol for the first time mm-hmm. and worrying about being popular because kids need to pass high school and then go to college. Like kids are worried about other stuff going on. You know what I mean? Exactly. And rarely ever, okay, okay, I guess I can't speak for everyone. I can't speak for everyone. But mm-hmm. when you, like, when high schoolers, because, like, occasionally high schoolers, like, you know, we do use drugs. We, we do drink alcohol. We do do stupid, crazy stuff that we know we shouldn't. But it's, at least in my experience, it was just something that happened. Like, I was never looking mm-hmm. for it. It just, mm-hmm. you know, you happen to be at the right place at the right time. Um, you know, you went to a party, someone happened to offer you something. Like, I didn't go into, 
I don't know, my second period class looking for the 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 acid dealer. I wasn't like scouting yeah. about after school for the person who I knew had like uh, a kilo of cocaine in their backpack at all times. It was just something that right, yeah. kind of happened. It was just like a part of the experience. And I feel like adults kind of hone in on that. And another thing is that like romance, because mm-hmm. romance is a part of coming of age films. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also with that, their sex. And, you know, <clears throat> if you're writing a TV show or movie that has young people in it, and you plan on having a romance, people have gone from courtship, romantic gestures and like dating into like sex. Cause I feel like that's what kids want. And that's what kids focus on. And honestly, you cannot have 17 year old actors, you know, doing, doing like, working out in front of adults because that's wrong and there are like laws so it's easier to have a 25 year old two 25 year olds hooking up in the back of a car and record that and not feel weird about it but then you're marketing these things towards teens and then teens feel like they gotta hurry up and experience these things before they get to college or else they feel like they're behind and it's not that you're behind it's that you are watching shows made by adults who don't understand what kids go through and are not really trying to like relate to you or not really like like talking to you like they're trying to give you a i feel kind of bad even calling it this but kind of like a highlight reel of experiences they're taking what they think are the best parts about being a high schooler like always partying with your friends ditching Mm -hmm. school doing drugs Mm -hmm. having sex they take those four key concepts which like are minor parts of any high schooler's life Anyone who has been to high school knows that those are usually not in your top five concerns. Um, right. But they're trying to make like almost like a super cut. Like this is like the best parts about being a high schooler. Um, and we know that you think that these are the best parts about being a high schooler. So we're going to make movies about the best parts about being a high schooler that kind of just like ignores the fact that they that they, that, I don't know, that they are high schoolers. They know the, the main part about high school, which is mm-hmm. going to school. Like, when going you look, school. You, you know, you <laughs> like, how many coming of age films um, that are like, like that, that are centered around like this hyper-sexualized, hyper-experienced like, um, type of settings and realities. How many of them do the kids actually ever go to class? They ain't got no books. They don't have book bags. They don't have pencil, paper, nothing. My back was breaking from the textbooks I always had in my backpack. I mm. see, like, if I'm looking at the extras in the hallway scene, I see, like, one girl carrying, like, one three-ring binder and a pencil. Mm-hmm. No backpack, nothing, nothing else. That's all she has for the entire day. And she is, she's, she's good. She's set. She's ready for all of her classes. She's not. <laughs> Why am I watching this TV show and I see these kids with their phones out? Take your notes. Oh my gosh. Bro, how are you supposed to pass English if you don't read? At least like casually reference the fact that they're Mm -hmm. in high school instead of the literal high school just happening to be the place where they like are. Like you could switch out that high school for a library. You could switch it out for a public gym. You could switch it out for, I don't know, a community rec center. And nothing would change. 
you could still film every single scene word for word, almost exactly as you filmed it in that high school. And not a single piece of information would be lost or altered because they aren't actually going to school. They should just have these, most of these shows should be set in college with the things that they're talking about. Like most of these things should be set in college. And another thing that I find annoying is like just a little like jumping off point with like kids not having books, pen and paper, not having backpacks. All the kids in these like coming of age movies, TV shows want to go to Harvard, Yale, Stanford, Princeton, Berkeley, UCLA. How are you going to do that if you don't open a book? Exactly. Okay. Wait a second, wait a second. Uh, who, who was that person? Why can't I think of it? Um, why can't I think of it? They can see all of the, like, the main characters are super attractive and, like, kind of well-off rich. Like, not, like, necessarily the actors, but, like, the characters they're portraying. So they're going to do um, a UCLA scandal. What was that person? The people who bought their way into UCLA and got exposed? It was, like, a year oh and a half gosh, ago, Oh, my gosh, Olivia something. Yeah, Olivia. Uh, Olivia what? Good. Okay. Olivia. I forgot. Olivia Jade. Olivia Jade. Olivia Jade. And her mom was Aunt Becky, right? Mm-hmm. All of them yes. are just Olivia Jade. They look, okay, like not exactly, but they look like Olivia Jade. They're yes. rich like Olivia Jade. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get into Harvard, UCLA. They're going to get into whatever college they are going to because they don't mm-hmm. have to get into the college. They just have to pay right. their way into the college. Right. Um. So I will say. And they don't want to be there. Accidentally, they're not gonna go to class when they get to school anyways accidentally the directors wrote something that's completely true if we are going mm-hmm. to assume that this person um that this actress is this attractive and they are 16 and that they are this rich and they are 16 mm-hmm. and that they want to go to ucla the directors accidentally wrote literally exactly what happened like a year and a half ago so like, and how are these kids have cars and they go out to like stick and shake every night? How do you pay for that? None of you have jobs. Job? Yeah, where's the job too? I forgot about that. Where are the jobs? Where's your apron? Okay. <laughs> what are you doing? I worked at Papa Murphy's and then I worked at Applebee's um all through high school um and like into college too. I was still working at Applebee's uh and I I still do not have the money to go to stake and shake every night. I am still not always going out. I, well, one, I can't go out with my friends because I tend to work at nights because that's when high schoolers work. Yeah. Because uh-huh. if you depict a real high schooler's life, it's boring and you got to make it interesting for the uh, show. But I think eighth grade makes a perfect point of like, you can depict a kid's real life, like something that's accurate and like very much similar to like an everyday kid's life. And it can still be interesting. Like you do not have to have these kids trying to go on an adventure to like try and like, I don't know, like you don't have to Harold and Kumar every single one of these kids' lives. Like they could just be living everyday lives. Exactly. Most of your life is boring. Yeah. Like um, what was, um, it was a, uh, I saw it on TikTok. It was from an Emma Chamberlain video. You know, the queen of like relatable high school slash teen content. The person who like yeah. realistically kind of established the genre on YouTube, or is at least like the queen of the genre on YouTube. And she made a video talking about how like her day-to-day life now is boring. Like a majority of like 85% of the time, you're not doing anything exciting. You're mm-hmm. reading a book, you're studying, you're, I don't know, going to the gym and working out, you're walking your dog, you're making lunch. 
your life isn't supposed to be a grand adventure. Your life is yeah. a lot of times just your life. And yeah, like, obviously, like, oh, just... my God, that's not as fun to watch. But like, at least it's honest. Yeah. Like I like on my block, it's one of my favorite shows. And there are interesting aspects to the show, but like those kids' lives, it's like any other kid's life, really. Like there are some parts of it that are like, you know, maybe a little more for Netflix, but it's mm-hmm. just like you're watching a kid's life and it's fun. And if you feel like you have to have kids, you know, have sex and do drugs in order to make your script interesting, then you don't understand what it's like to just be a teenager. Because a kid, like you can literally go over to your friend's house and like they could make lasagna and y'all are just hanging out, having fun and laughing. And well, if you made lasagna for me, you're my best friend. Best friend. Yeah. For the rest of high school. That's all I need. That's it. That's it. I feel like there was something you were going to say, and then um, we just, like, brushed past it. Did I you remember? I, I don't know what I was going to say. You know what? <laughs> Clearly, if I can't remember, it wasn't that important. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm so sorry I made you forget. <laughs> no, it's completely fine. Uh, there was uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, and we were talking about, like, how... Another jumping off point of like kids not having like paper pencils or like book bags in these shows. Mm-hmm. I rewatched Book Smart recently, and it's the mo- it's one of the most recent coming of age films. And I love Book Smart. I think it's really great. And the main character of the show is Molly, and she has this morning affirmation of like, "You have worked harder than everyone else. You're going to succeed. The people who doubted you talk bad about you. You're going to do better than them." And so she's walking around with like this air of like superiority. That like all these kids having fun, joking around, these girls having sex, these guys playing pranks in the hallways and doing all this stuff. They are going to be working in gas stations. And then I'm going to be the youngest Supreme Court justice in the world. And y'all can never compete with me. And there's a scene where she's in the bathroom and these kids are talking bad about her. And she gets out of the bathroom and she tries to size these kids up. And she's like, that's fine if you guys don't talk bad about me. Because I know that when I come back with my diploma and all my accolades, you're going to be working and backing my groceries. And then the most popular girl who people call her triple A because she gives guys roadside assistance. Mm-hmm. Which she does, but she's not ashamed of it, which I think is good. Like, good yeah. for you, girl. You like to suck dick. Yeah, be proud exactly. of that. Exactly. Go yeah. on. Kids have sex. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, she straight up was like, okay, well, I'm going to Yale too. And Molly was like, huh? And she was like, yeah. Like, where are you going? And this cool guy, he was like, oh, I'm going to Stanford. I'm going to play soccer with Stanford. And this other guy was like, oh, I'm not going to college. I'm going to go code for Google. And like, she's standing there and she's realizing that. All these cool kids who went out, had fun, partied, still got good grades and are still going to do well for themselves. And she deprived herself of all these good things because she thought it made her better than them. And she needed to do that in order to succeed. But she realizes that she was wrong. And that's interesting because like you don't see like when you see like nerdy kids in films, they are they think they're superior. Like, they Mm -hmm. think they're better. They think that they're, like, on top or whatever. And usually, like, with nerdy girls, they're pick-me's, you know? Like, they do everything for the validation of men, and they put down other women who are, like, more sexual or, like, more popular. Like, oh, my gosh, that girl is, like, like there's a moral failing to, like, liking sex for some reason in other women. And, like, young girls are either, like, Young girls are either taught to be like Cher and Clueless and Regina George, or they're mm-hmm. taught to be like 
Molly Ringwald or homegirl from She's All That. Like you have to be the nerd or you gotta be the popular person. You can't be just like a normal like kid. You can't just be a girl, you know? And I was just thinking about that. Also like uh, the reason why I was thinking about that really was like, she was surprised that all these kids were getting into these good schools. Molly, you live in an affluent neighborhood. Your school is majority white. You, you're surrounded by rich people. Girl, these kids could have partied all throughout high school and gone to these good grades because their parents are all legacies and alumni. You and were trying to get to school, good for you. They they could have got they were gonna get in those schools anyway. Um another another example of directors perfectly writing something. I will give I will give it to the the book smart directors. They clearly knew what they were doing. They did that on purpose. Olivia Wilde, she got that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. but but like again, like accidentally writing something that is on unfortunately very true yeah if you're if you're a, a rich student um you're, you're you really don't have to worry especially if you're a legacy student yeah you you can go to basically any college that you want i mean basically i'm sure those kids had good grades but like yeah it helps that like their parents were probably like the foot in the door that got them in there because mm-hmm. that's all you really need i say that's all you really need as if that isn't like a tremendous advantage Mm. <laughs> yeah are there any other uh coming of age films that you wanted to talk about there's like a few that like i could just like briefly mention that we don't have to like dive delve into um one mm. that i have to mention um just because it is not mean girls it is the other movie that Lindsay lohan did amazing in um confessions of a teenage drama queen which i think oh. is a much better depiction of a coming of age film. Not that Mean Girls is bad. I absolutely love Mean mm-hmm. Girls. It's great. It's hysterical. Yeah. It's iconic. But Confessions mm-hmm. of a Teenage Drama Queen is like the younger, nerdier sister of Mean Girls. And like it nails it. One, I have to, it nails the fashion. It nails the Y2K fashion so perfectly. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So just that, because we didn't even talk about that, like how students are dressing. Um or two it's like like getting with the band member is a that that's a little bit of a stretch but like sneaking into a show 100% believable that's definitely something that stupid teen would try to do and like they Mm -hmm. might just happen to succeed um it's stereotypical like um high school politics high school dynamics there's nothing really like unusual there um and there's like problems between like the parents are like kind of characters maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more of obstacles but like they are actually like people instead of just like this ominous presence like again in mean girls like the parents really aren't characters at all they're just it just so happened that katie happened to be born and so she in fact does have parents um yeah. <laughs> as opposed to in this where like the parents they're either like they're it's obstacles like um why can't I remember who Lindsay Lohan plays what's the actual name of the main character I can't remember I, I honestly remember. forgot about that movie until you mentioned it but I but like, remember that movie yeah she has day. arguments with her mom mm-hmm. like it's actually legitimate like normal teen arguments instead of just like pure teen angst they actually have conversations mm-hmm. there's character growth there's about obviously it is because it's a coming of age movie so like there has to be um and like even like bringing the other girl like bringing her out of her shell like a little bit like cliche like oh the popular girl brings the other girl out of her shell but like still it's done in a very realistic believable way and like i don't know i just like it i 
think that at least as a coming of age film, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen is better than Mean Girls and is extremely forgotten about. It's just kind of, it's the other movie that Lindsay Lohan was in. It's the other movie. Yeah, it's the other it's movie. Because a- they came out like right around the same time too, didn't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. It's a good movie. You're right to mention it. And you're right that like a lot of um, coming of age films, they don't have the parents in them. No. Really? Like they're just kind of like there for a second, but then you kind of like forget about them. Mm-hmm. And it's different in eighth grade because like you see Elsie's character interact with her dad. Yeah, and, and like they like actually have a relationship. Kind of like, uh, they argue. Yeah. They yeah. they like they fight, and like they by the end, like they're like slowly patching the relationship. Like the beginning works of it are there. Heartbreaking. That last scene was so good. God, it but was like, so yeah, good. Like parents can be characters. Parents don't have to just be like this thing that happens to own the house that they live in. Hmm. Yeah, parents can be a part of the story too. Like some some kids get along with their parents. Like, come on now, I like that. And I miss I oh gosh that sh- that movie that was a really good movie. That was amazing. I need to rewatch uh-huh. it because I was just like yeah. I was trying to think of coming of age films and I completely forgot about it. Like you said, like it's one that like it's it, you can just easily forget about it just because it, it didn't get as much hype. It didn't get as much attention. Yeah, another uh, coming-of-age movie that I think is really good, and I don't think it got the attention it deserved, was Dope. And it starred, um, oh my gosh, why did I forget his name already? But like, when I saw the movie, it reminded me of Boys in the Hood. And Mm -hmm. whenever people talk about coming-of-age films, you notice that most of the time the characters are like white people and yeah. boys in the hood is one of the only coming of age films that stars a cast of black people and it's not like it's not too sad like it's not too depressing like it's a, it's a movie where you're watching these kids grow up in the neighborhood that john singleton grew up in and he understood and he got it mm-hmm. and the film was also nominated for an oscar and it's like one of those movies that you make and you watch and this movie is like so pristine and it's so wonderfully made and it's something that like everyone should watch because the thing is with like 16 candles ferris bueller's day off the breakfast club those movies are good Mm -hmm. but they're good in a way that's like you want to recreate it in some other way but boys in the hood is good and it's solid and this movie can be translated into any other year any other century like every person like any black person can watch this movie and be like that's my best friend that's my cousin Mm -hmm. that's my mom there is something timeless about that film and it deserves the Oscar like John Singleton deserves the recognition that he got from that film because it truly is like if you're a black cinephile you need to watch Boys in the Hood you need to study it you need to study the plot you need to study the characters that needs to be a wolf of Wall Street that needs to be your, uh, I don't know, your inception. That needs to be yes. your... <laughs> it needs to be your fight club. Yeah, that, that needs, needs to be your be... fight club. Yes. That needs to be your yes, breakfast like, club, if... too. Yes, it does. And this, oh gosh, I love that movie so much. And I remember when I first watched Dope, it came out in 2015. And I feel like Dope is like the perfect translation to Boys in the Hood because it's about this kid, Malcolm. He's trying to write this essay so he can get into, I think it's Harvard. 
or like some other really good school. And he's really into like 90s hip hop. And so are his friends. It's played Shamik Moore. That's the person. He also, Shamik Moore was also Miles in Into the Spider-Verse. That's what I remember. That's what I was trying to think yeah. of him. Yeah. Shamik Moore, Kiersey Clemens, she's in it. She's really great. And the thing is about Dope is that like, it's one of those movies you watch and you kind of want to write it off. It's just like, I think people were too quick to write off Dope as like another like, oh, it's a Black movie. You know, it's just like, one of, it's good. Mm-hmm. This movie is so good. And it does a great job of exploring hip hop culture, how it influences young people and how your neighborhood can connect you to certain people that you never knew were there. And these kids are like going on kind of like an adventure and having like a lot of fun. And the plot is a little bit like convoluted a little bit, but that doesn't take away from the fact that this movie is great. It's funny. It's interesting. It's unique. It's different. It's it's produced by Forrest Whitaker, which was something else that also made me realize, like, I need to watch this film. And, like, I don't care if, like, ASAP Rocky is in it or whatever. This movie was such a good movie. And there were people talking about how, like, maybe it should have been nominated for an Oscar because it was so similar to Boys in the Hood and, like, the, like, kind of story that it went on. And, like, I really wish I could, <laughs> I really wish I could describe it better. But it truly was, it's a, it is one of my favorite movies. It is. Like, when people are always like, I need a new movie to watch. I'm like, you should watch Dope. And the thing is, like, it makes me sad because it's not on, like, Netflix or, like, Hulu or anything. So you have to, like, really dig to, like, watch it. But it's not, it's not a disappointment at all. And Dope does remind me of, like, On My Block. You know, like, those kind of, like, that TV show, the movie kind of dynamic of, like, kids who aren't white who live in a certain neighborhood and like going are they're they're going through experiences and some parts of the plot may be like not relatable to everybody yeah but you can watch that movie and you can connect with like one character or like two or three characters and be like this is this is good like this shit this shit this needs mm-hmm. to be preserved at amber <laughs> i love that movie so much the only other movies i would talk about would be Aquila and the bee which was my favorite coming-of-age movie, which I related to. It was like a nerdy Black girl. Mm. And then, like, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. I love that movie so much. Uh, As long as you're just bringing up random ones, I feel like just because, okay, mostly just because it launched Emma Stone's career, um, but also because I think that's another kind of accurate depiction of stupid teenagers having a semi-realistic adventure um super bad uh it's just dumb and just believable enough to pass um and there's something kind of like classic and timeless about it mm-hmm. uh so that's one that i definitely mentioned you mentioned into the spider-verse i would qualify into the mm-hmm. spider-verse as a coming-of-age film i know that <laughs> i know that i it, yes is it superhero related yes but it, yeah but like it, it plays on so many elements of coming-of-age yes. films so it I would does. definitely qualify it as a coming of age film. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love Into the Spider-Verse. It's so good. And I also, I watched Superbad when I was like really young and I didn't understand it, but I totally understand like Superbad is one of those coming of age movies that people kind of like write off as like, just like, oh, it's a stoner movie or like, oh, it's just like a comedy, but it's a good movie. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's dumb. It's, kinda, it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, teenage dialogue um yeah and like i said like just because i i wanna i wanna i wanna brag 
not not me specifically. I want to brag on someone else's behalf. Um, Emma Stone did go from that being her first major movie to now she is the highest paid actress in Hollywood as of yeah. when Cruella went out uh, came out. Like that was what jumped over Scarlett Johansson. So yeah. I'm just saying, like you have to look at the origin. We have to look at yeah. the, where it started. Obviously, Easy A too, because that was like the next thing Easy after. A, and people people would always jump to Easy A. And I've seen so yep. many people say that Easy A was her first big movie. And that is yeah. disrespectful. I love Easy yeah. A, but that is disrespectful to Super. Yeah. I think Easy A was like, I don't think people, because it's a difference between like your first big movie and also like the movie that people see and they're like, oh, she's an actress. Mm-hmm. She's hot. She's funny. And she's serious. Exactly. Wow. She can do it all. She's the full, full package. Yeah, and people wrote off super bad so quickly because, like, it was a comedy movie. Like, oh, this is a bro movie. This is for guys. So, obviously, like, Emma Stone being in it, people probably, like, didn't even register that she was in it. Because exactly. when you talk about super bad, you talk about Michael Sarah mm-hmm. and um, Jonah Hill. Yeah. And I love both of them, mm-hmm. of course. But, like, obviously, people were like, oh, well, you know, she's in the movie. But, like, is she really in the movie? Because she was, like, also the love interest. But yeah. I like Easy A, too. It's a great, it's a great coming-of-age film. I think... Also, it's like one of the smartest coming of age movies I know. I've seen. Yeah. I need and to rewatch. I, I was, haven't watched it in a little bit. I have seen that movie so many times, and I think that the movie is good. It's really good because it also explores, like, obviously, like, there are a bunch of 20 year olds playing teenagers in the film, and you can clearly see that everybody in that movie is like old enough to drink okay okay but yeah, yeah. i think <laughs> yeah the movie does a good job of exploring like teen sexuality and how like it's kind of like how um women having sex is seen as like impure immoral mm. more feeling like ah uh, and like guys having sex is like yeah yeah bro like yeah like, exactly. all and these it's still guys, like that yeah like all these guys paid to lie about sleeping with olive and she was just she was seen as like you know the mm-hmm. miss like scarlet o'hara like ooh, like oh stay away from her she's bad or whatever and the movie does such a great job of pulling people in and then being like you know people aren't the rumors that you make up about them like people are people and that's simply it and i'm glad that easy oh sorry i'm glad that she like stuck up for herself and she like told the truth and that she was honest and even if like some people like I think the guidance counselor who like cheated on her husband with a teenager she got in trouble for it obviously but Mm -hmm. she had to she had to be honest like she had to because like you're not gonna let her take the fall for a mistake that you made you're grown woman exactly like Mm -hmm. I'm not taking on your burdens ma'am that's not my cross to bear I'm sorry sorry that's on you that's sorry (laughs) sorry that's on you because you wanted to sleep with a kid who's 20 years old and still in high school. Like, that's really not my issue. That's not my problem. So I feel like also Emma Stone, she is, I feel like she was the perfect lead for Easy A. Absolutely. Like she, she's funny. Like she got it. She hit the nail on the head. And also Emma Stone, she's a great actress and she fits like the everyday girl kind of look. Yeah, she's, I think um, Hollywood calls her the girl next door. Or like she's at least yeah. referred to that. She has like that, Maybe not so much now that she's like much later in her career and is so successful, but definitely in her early years, she just had that mm-hmm. kind of persona about her. She just very much yeah. fit the perfect girl next door vibe. 
she was very approachable. Mm-hmm. You know, she had like a very approachable vibe. Yeah. And I really, I love her. Like I do love Emma Stone. I think she's really great. I wasn't very happy about Aloha, but you know what? We've moved past it. We've all grown. We've changed. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. better now. We're better now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Also, one object of like um, teen comedies or like coming of age movies we didn't talk about were like, you remember The Fall in Our Stars? Yes. <laughs> okay, so I, okay, you don't understand. I thought about bringing up. I have a list on my like, like I have a little notepad, whatever, that shows the things I want to bring up. And I erased mm-hmm. it because I was like, no, I don't, I don't think yeah. I will. I don't think yeah. I will. Yeah. The- we talking about like, I think The Fault in Our Stars is truly unique because like it was the first movie centered around a young person who is dying. Mm-hmm. So it's a different kind of coming of age story. It's like, what is it like to come of age when you won't really come of age? Exactly. And like, what is that like to like deal with something so serious and heavy? And I think that I like the book. And I know that some people think the book is pretentious. It is. Yes. All right. John Green is yes. a grown ass man writing YA fiction. All right. The man's 40. All right. I like him. I like his brother. But like, you know, we're not going to act like he didn't write five books about like, like nerdy white boys pining after their manic pixie dream girl. Exactly. It like, is, we know what, we what know what the era was. Okay. We all lived through <laughs> that Tumblr era. We all live- and literally, like, <laughs> Um, I will argue that The Fault in Our Stars is the closest that true Tumblr, that like, not like mm-hmm. surface Tumblr, but that true Tumblr has ever gotten to being mainstream, main stage. There was no other yeah. movie or piece of media that captured what Tumblr was, even though like Tumblr is in no way addressed or part of it, but like that encapsulate what Tumblr used to be more yeah. than that movie no no other movie even really tried though i guess it was angst yeah. it was pining there were like the poetry the, the metaphor like the cigarette yeah. in the mouth is a metaphor the like, freaking cigarettes put like, it out the, the the half deep the faux deep poetry that was just littered throughout like i put the thing that can kill me in my mouth but i don't give it the power to like <laughs> You like, don't have to give it the power to. You have cancer. <laughs> you gonna die. Like you don't have to. You have cancer. Also, Sir. the the different girl. Like even though like it was a group of people who are all dying, the different girl. Like Hazel Grace. Like not just Hazel. No, Hazel Grace. Uh, she has two names. Even her. Even her name has to be special. I will never get over the fact that I thought it was cute that they made out in the Anne Frank house. <laughs> it's like. Here is the house of a girl who died, and here are our two kids who may die, but despite that, they love each other. They're open to love and romance, despite their horrible, terrible, withered condition that you can clearly see with this girl carrying this giant oxygen tank up these rickety stairs. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful and poetic, and everyone clapped. Why are y'all clapping? Kick them out. (laughs) Tell them to go. This is disrespectful. Exactly. This is disrespectful. Exactly. She lived in an attic. <laughs> Jesus. I will she say. She lived through a genocide. Because it happened around that same part. The, I'm not sure. It stays in my head. Like I, every like month or so, will just randomly remember this. That when they first got to Amsterdam, because it blew me. It blew me out of the water. Mm-hmm. I was caught so off guard. 
But when they first get to Amsterdam and they're showing like the little mon- uh, montage of them like landing and starting to walk, the song that was playing in the background was Boom Clap by Charlie XCX. That will, mm-hmm. that's ingrained into my memory. More than, I don't think about any other part of that movie on a regular basis, but every like month or so, like I said, it would just pop into my head like, and it would, I can just see that, that scene. Just like, oh, randomly, out of nowhere, out of the blue, boom. I, being like a huge Tiffy O's fan when I was young, listened to the whole soundtrack. And when I tell you Boom Clap is the one song that did not belong on that soundtrack. Exactly. That's why it, it like, movie out of the water. It was like, what? What? How this are you song play just that came song out. Just why is before, it in this movie? How are you going to play this song just before you go into the Anne Frank house? That's disrespectful Boom, clap, to the sound Anne of Frank. those bombs. And- the beat goes on and on and on and on. Stop. Stop. No. John Green is to run me my check. John Green. That's a parody oh, right there. That's an official copyrightable parody. Also, John, also, like, this movie launched Shane Lee Woodley's career mm-hmm. and Ansel Elgort's. Yeah. Shane Lee Woodley was on The Secret Life of the American Teenager. Nobody watched that show. Nobody no. took that show seriously. Nope. Her being in that movie, it's that thing. Like, with Emma Stone, her being super bad, like, oh, She's just there. She's just a yeah. girl. But her being Easy Egg was like, she's an actress. Mm-hmm. Shanley Woodley being on that terrible show on ABC Family, like, oh, she's just destined for soap operas. Her being Tiffio's and playing a cancer patient? Wow. Like, if she could pretend to die, she could do anything. Let me sign her to every single movie that's coming out for the next every... five years. Absolutely. And Ansel Elgort? Oh my gosh, that man is never going to worry about where his next meal is going to come from. Because they're like, oh yeah. If you can look like that, if you can look that hot and you're dying, sir, come into my office. To, Let's yes. make it happen. Yes. We, we have a also, few contracts this, for you to sign. Mm-hmm. And there was like a slew of movies that came out after Tiffio's of like people dying. You know, like me, like Earl, me, me Earl, the oh, dying, the dying girl. girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like that movie with Cody Sprouse. Oh, shoot. Not, what movie was not Cody. No, no, Cole Sprouse, right? Cole Sprouse, yeah. Why did I say Cody? Oh, yeah. I have no idea, Cody. but I knew what you meant. And then it didn't pop. Um, yeah. Are you talking about the new one, like Five Feet Apart? Or are you thinking older? Five Feet Apart! That movie. Oh, my gosh. I remember when the director, I think he was in um, Jane and Jane the Virgin. He was like the love interest in Jane the yeah. Virgin. Yeah. He was talking about the movie and he was like, this movie's so unique. And different and like so beautiful and passionate. I'm like, sir, this is Tiffio's. Sir, sir. You can't sir, pretend that you Justin, forgot. You Justin, cannot forget that Justin, color palette. You cannot Justin. forget that baby blue, that awkward electric baby blue and the white and the black with the OKAY question mark. That should be permanently engraved into your memory. You will never escape that. Maybe OK will be our always. And then they broke up. <laughs> Like the couple with the always, they broke up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, maybe we should stop saying, okay. People got that tattoo. Like the clouds tattoo. Yep. Gonna be me. Gonna be me. Some people were the- really living their Tumblr fantasy. It's amazing how that book took off on Tumblr. And then the movie was announced. And then Tumblr went into a frenzy. And I was like, I I don't know what to do. I Because the worst thing is like, John Grieg was on Tumblr. And he could see all the fan fiction, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like, Tiffio's really was like 
Wattpad fan fiction come to life? I mean, you also have to look at other examples. There's obviously like, why, why, why am I? There's Fifty Shades of Grey, which was literally another Tumblr slash Wattpad fan fiction. Um, there was based off of Twilight. Yeah, based off of Twilight. There was um, shoot, what was the other one? The really weird sure. one. What? After, yes, after, after, yes, after. another classic example. Like, mm. uh, Tumblr, Tumblr had a recipe down. Like, obviously, we don't hold any of these movies in too high of regards. Even the Fault in Our yeah. Stars, it's kind of like a cursed memory. We don't think of it as like a critically acclaimed, wonderful film. It's like, no, yeah, it's just there. But like, Tumblr, Tumblr knew what it was doing. Also, the sequel to After. Like just got announced or like just came out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I saw something about it. Yeah. So it's still going. It, it also, is twenty twenty one. Yeah, I do have to say, the Fault in Our Stars was unique in mm-hmm. how like it depicts a young person with a disease, like a life threatening illness. And I think that movies, a movie with like that, is important to have because like all films. Most kind of age movies are people who are able-bodied. No matter what, like, their races or gender, they're able-bodied human beings. And Hazel was somebody who had to, like, carry around uh, oxygen tank just so that she could, like, live her life. Mm-hmm. It was hard for her to live her life and be a normal girl because she had this diagnosis. And she was just trying to just, like, be a normal teenager. And it's great that a movie a book, a movie depicted something like that so kids can relate to it because it's not talked about in film. It's not really talked about in mainstream culture and it's kind of like brushed off, you know what I mean? And like, I would like to see more coming of age films or TV shows with people who have like physical disabilities or mental disabilities or people who are like maybe deaf, blind, have cerebral palsy. Like I would love to see more of that mm-hmm. and hopefully not centered in like the romance aspect of it like there's a show called special on netflix which follows a guy who has cerebral palsy and he's also gay and it follows his life and how he's trying to like you know be like a person and he's pretty he's an adult so it's not like coming of age but it's still something you don't see a lot and it's a really good show and i really do enjoy it and i would like to see more of those kind of works being made i think the fault in our stars opened the door for it but the door that was open led to a lot of bad movies. Yeah. So maybe we can like close that door, we can revamp. lock it, and find a window. Mm-hmm. And we can go out that window and see if maybe somebody like Chloe Zhao, or maybe we can find ourselves like, I don't know, we can find ourselves a Steve Mc, you know, we can find somebody qualified <laughs> to make another movie about that. Please, because I don't need another me, Earl and the Dying Girl. I don't no. need. No, we do not. I don't need kids making out. Like, if y'all have two black kids who are deaf and they make out or like they start dancing on like Rosa Parks' grave, I'm gonna fight somebody. I'm gonna say it. I'm like, if you go to Martin Luther King's house and y'all decide to lose your virginity in there, we're gonna have a problem. We're gonna have a problem. So, See, yeah. we, we would have a problem with that, but like, if they. Like, that's okay in movies, obviously. But if they dared, like, made out in Elvis Presley's house, that movie would never see the light of day. That movie, would, even, that movie would not even get aired. They, they would make out Elvis Presley's house, uh, and then, like, you know, the Buddy Hound Dog would play in the background as they fade to the next scene. Like, 
and people no. would riot. Absolute riots, mm. absolute chaos. How dare you disrespect Elvis Presley? How dare you disrespect We can, we can kiss in Anne Frank's aunt, uh, in Anne Frank's attic. That's completely okay. Yeah. But how dare you have fun <laughs> at Elvis Presley's house? Have you no shame? You remember when Justin Bieber said that Anne Frank would be a believer? We remember when he was <laughs> right. I will never forget that. Okay. I will never so was that an incredibly stupid thing to say? Yes. However, was she also a teenage girl and is Bieber's entire fan base, okay, not entire fan base, but quite a bit of his fan base made up of teenage girls? Like, I hate to say that he was probably correct, but he was, in fact, probably correct. And I would like to say that he should have just shut his mouth. Yes. Should he have said it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Let her, let her be, okay? She died a while ago. Can she stop rolling her grave? She's trying yeah. to enjoy her afterlife, okay? And people keep bringing so her up. I'm glad they've never made an Anne Frank movie. Because the second they do... Well, see, because and... we got the play. And everyone loves the play. And the play is absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. And people, and so, like, they're just like, no, we won't touch it. The play is amazing. Yeah. It makes us money. We don't need to touch it. I think there's going to be an influx of women who have been wronged like movies made about them because i know that Krista stewart is in starring in spencer which yeah about i was diana yeah mm-hmm. i think that hollywood is going to start going down that route of like making films about women who are like wronged in history and being like look we like women now oh my gosh guys and <laughs> i am that was that was something that i wanted to talk about in our outro like the i wanted yeah. to talk about spencer a little bit oh okay i think that we're we're all good. Like, we can... You want to wrap it up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I've said everything I want to say about coming-of-age movies. Yeah, we rant it. We went yeah. on, like, a long, <laughs> core, long, hardcore tangent rant screaming at some of these directors. I think we said mm-hmm. what we came here to do. We did. We said everything we needed to say, and now uh, we can get into the segment called I'll Pass which is where we talk about new shows or movies coming out pretty soon and whether and these things are things that we're probably not going to see when they come out. So you can go ahead and tell us how you feel about Krista Stewart's newest film, Spencer. I am scared. So here's the thing. I, one, the the movie cover, gorgeous, stunning, absolutely. Like there's a TikToker that I follow that he reviews like different things like movie covers and like promotion material and stuff like that. And he mm-hmm. likes pointing out where it's like clearly just like, oh, a picture of the movie and where it's actually mm-hmm. art. And he said that this is one of the best cover arts that he covers that he's seen in a while because that's an art piece. That is an art piece mm-hmm. that happens to be used for a movie, not just like a random picture that is used for yeah. a movie. And I agree. I absolutely love it. It looks beautiful. It's, it's thought provoking. As a piece of art, it does what it needs to do and is great. However, so early reviews, People think this is like fast track Kristen Stewart's first nomination for an Oscar. Like they think like mm-hmm. absolutely. And apparently it got like, I think it was like a three-minute standing ovation um when oh, it was wow. like shown. But also at the same time, it also said that like the movie is quite hectic and all over the place. And the only thing that mm-hmm. kind of grounds it is Kristen Stewart. And I'm kind of scared because that's very opinion based like we were talking about eighth grade like eighth grade is amazing because um because elsie is able to carry the entire movie 
and it's mm-hmm. all rides on her shoulders, shoulders, and she did an amazing job, and so we love it. However, in any movie that like people are openly admitting that all rides on the lead character's performance, it always makes me scared because, like, obviously, I love Kristen Stewart, and I think that she's an amazing yeah. actress. Mm-hmm. But it also means that if the that if I don't like her depiction of Princess Diana. I also won't like anything else about the film. Like that's essentially what those reviews are saying. They're saying yeah. if it wasn't for Kristen Stewart, this movie would be bad. So if I don't mm. like Kristen Stewart's performance, I'm not going to like anything else in the movie either, which makes me mm. sad. I'm kind of sad that I read that because I was like at least interested in it. And now I'm kind of worried, like I'm going to at least pass on it for a while until more things come out. Cause I don't want to like, taint the image of Kristen Stewart that I have mm-hmm. and I feel like it's a Princess Diane movie like we've seen Princess Diane movies before if I don't see this particular one I'm not missing out on any groundbreaking moment in Hollywood so I might pass on it just to preserve the good image that I have of Kristen Stewart so yeah I totally agree and I totally understand I think that there are movies that have come out where like it's obvious that I don't want to say this, but like there are times where people write scripts and films and they're really just making on getting like a really good actor mm-hmm. to like make people want to see the movie. Mm-hmm. That way they're like, okay, good. So if this person is headlining, that means we're good. We're going to make our money. I don't care if people don't like it. It's fine. And that's basically it. And I was pretty excited to see uh, Alessia Carr. What did I say? Alessia Cara? My bad. I was like, what? what? I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> Stream in the nice. meantime by Alessia Cara. It just dropped like two weeks ago. It's an amazing album. We polo. Go walk, go listen. Anyways, oh continue. <laughs> I'm excited. I love Kristen Stewart. And like, mm-hmm. I was really like, I was not a Twilight girl. Like, I'm going to say that. I was one of those people in school where like, I like to read books, but I would never read Twilight because I don't read those kind of books because I'm not that kind of girl I'm different I was very much that person in, in like middle school and high school but um re-watching Twilight as many other people did I realized that like even though some things of the movie aren't that great she actually did like a pretty good job with what she was given yeah and Kristen Stewart was an actress before Twilight came out like she was in this film called Speak which is based off of a uh, Laura I, w- I was going Hale to mm-hmm, Anderson. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring up that. I, I was going to bring up that as a coming-of-age movie, but, like, that's a much more darker and serious yeah. one. So I was like, mm-hmm. we're kind of going for the cheesy, fun, lighthearted ones. So, yeah. but I did think about bringing I, that up. I love the book. I love the author. I love that movie. And it was the first movie I had seen Kristen Stewart in. So when she was yeah. in Twilight, I was kind of surprised. But I'm very glad that, like, she has been in a lot of films since Twilight. Like she was in Personal Shopper. Mm-hmm. She was in Seaberg, uh, I think was a movie she was in. Yeah. Um, she yeah. was also in um, the freaking Charlie's Angels film. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. I know I know that there are people who will see, like have seen Twilight and Charlie's Angels and audibly, automatically have written off Krista Stewart as a bad actress. And I know that she's not. Yeah. I know she's a great actress. Okay, it's, it, and it, it, it's- it's poor films, poor, maybe a little bit of poor direction, poor script writing, not poor acting. I'm very, very like, I was very excited to see her be cast in Spencer because I feel like, okay, all these Twilight haters can shut up now and just take 
this movie and just like I'm ready to shove this movie down everyone's throat because exactly. what you're not going to do is disrespect her once again. See, here's what the you're thing. not going to do if she gets nominated, I don't mm-hmm. care. I will watch the movie and then I mm-hmm. will be pining for it for the rest mm-hmm. of eternity. Okay. Yeah. If it gets people if to so- stop talking about Twilight and her not being a Please. good actress because of Twilight, mm-hmm. I will do whatever mm-hmm. is necessary. And one thing, like one thing that Tumblr did right was take Kristen Stewart and lift her up. Because every single week, I would see girls pining after Kristen Stewart because she's like the token, like, you know, if you like girls, you like Ruby Rose, Kristen Stewart, and mm-hmm. like those kind of girls that look that way. But yep. people, I the one thing I did like about Tumblr was that they were like, I don't care if you hate Kristen Stewart. Hey, Kristen Stewart is stupid and you're stupid. She's nice. She was nice to a rat on set once, so she's my best friend. And if you don't like Kristen Stewart, I'm stabbing you in the eye. And that's the one thing that I was just like, yes. Okay, but that's also we Tumblr. Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. We, we, that's... we remember the controversy. Halsey almost got killed because she used lyrics in a song that were her own lyrics that she posted on Tumblr, and they got so yeah. big that people assumed yeah. that she was stealing from Tumblr. Oh, gosh. This is also why I don't like to read reviews about movies that are going to come out. I know I because... made a mistake. I regret it. <laughs> I regret it. Because then, cause then okay. there's, like, something in your head of, like, oh, gosh, this movie might be bad. And so this is better just going blind, you know? Mm-hmm. Just, like, have an open mind, you know? Yeah, but I... I do hope that people who think that Chris Stewart is like a bad actress see this movie and understand that she's a great actress. And I can only hope that the movie is good. And if it's not good, I hope it doesn't fall on her shoulders. Cause like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll get hope. We'll get hope. Cross your fingers. Hope for the best. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Um, okay. So Spencer. All right. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that I'm not, that I'm going to pass on is House of Dragons. Which okay, is mm-hmm. the Game of Thrones prequel that's coming yeah. out. Mm-hmm. No, it's okay. Here. <laughs> Go ahead. Listen, there was another Game of Thrones prequel that was supposed to come out and had a cast of people of color in it, and it was like beautifully stacked, amazing. And then they canceled that. But mm-hmm. this got greenlit. And mm-hmm. I just want to say, Matt Smith, wherever you are, I'm coming for your ass, okay? <laughs> because every time <laughs> this man is my enemy. This man is an enemy. Why was this movie greenlit? Why was this show greenlit and not the other one? What happened to my people of color? What happened to them? Why am I seeing this? Why is the 11th Doctor here in his little 99 cent Party City wig trying to play like he's a Targaryen? The Targaryens are dead. We've moved past it. Let it go. Emotionally, we've distanced ourselves so much from the Targaryens. I don't even know who they are anymore. I won't recognize them on the street. I don't care about dragons. The only dragon I care about was in Shrek. All right. Absolutely. Because that was a beautiful love story. Yes. I'm like, why are you making another show that's just chock full of white people set 300 years back? Like, Black people exist. We're here. We've been here. And clearly you knew that because you you had a movie, uh, movie or series lined up. Yeah. Like, it was there. I, I don't want to see it. I don't want it. I don't. Gosh. I know it's based on another George George R. R. Martin book. So it's probably going to be good. Yeah. It's probably going to be good because the first seasons of Game of Thrones were good because mm-hmm. they followed George R. R. Martin's story. Yeah. And, and he's a good writer. I, I trust trust him. 
he's a great writer. Mm -hmm. And when he left the show as, you know, their advisor or their script advisor, then the two guys kind of got a big head and they wanted to do the story their way, thus destroying thus thus destroying any kind of character development that was built up over the past five, six seasons of the show. Yeah. And now you're trying to remedy it with this new series to try to get people back into it again. And all I have to say is that I hope nobody streams it on HBO Max. I hope you get no nominations. Mm-hmm. I hope that nobody talks about the show. Okay, no right. one cares. And I want Matt Smith to go broke and homeless because I'm tired of seeing this man and everything. So, so one, I 100% agree. Okay, mm. facts. You will put on this earth to put Matt Smith in his place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of him. I'm sick of this man. However... Unfortunately, unfortunately for us, unfortunately for those of us with with brains, with intellect, with ideas, with creativity, HBO Max kind of swept the award show this last year. Yeah. So they are, their... they have a little bit of a track record. So I could see it kind of like House of Dragons, kind of just like floating on one the success that was Game of Thrones until the end because it it yeah. was like the number one show for America just like the the hype that hbo max is getting right now because it's new it's popping and just won a whole bunch of awards so people are actually paying attention to it now so unfortunately house of dragons is kind of set up to succeed no matter how bad it is which actually it's probably gonna be good because it's george r martin so actually end up being like at the very least decent probably actually really good so it's probably going to win awards i hate i i hate being a realist but that is kind of what we're doing on this show. Mm. Yeah, I know. And like the thing is, is that like I didn't even I I have HBO Max. Like I share it with my sister. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna be honest, I have no idea what to watch on that. Like I know I don't really understand how it works. I'm gonna be the boomer for a second. Okay, I don't okay. know what the frick is up with HBO Max. Like I log into it and then I have to log in again. And then it just shows me movies. And I'm like, where is the other stuff? We'll we'll, we'll have a little bit of a conversation. We'll, we'll, we'll have a conversation about HBO Max. I don't want it. I don't want it. I kind of just want to let it die. You know what I mean? I it's really not, feel like... But the problem is that it has, like, such a, it has HBO behind it. HBO is yeah. a giant. HBO Max isn't going anywhere. Uh, is there anything else you're going to pass on? Um, I don't yeah. believe so. Obviously, like, the generic Halloween movies are all going to come out around this time because it is Halloween. So the all 97 new Halloween movies about random monsters, it's all going to come out in the next, like, three weeks. I'm probably going to pass on every single one of those. But I, I don't even know what they're named. So Halloween. I don't really watch horror movies, but I think that, like, it would be fun to have, like, a podcast about horror movies talking about like oh, the symbolism definitely. behind oh that. definitely we have to talk about horror movies eventually um they just don't need to be modern horror movies yeah that would require me to watch horror movies which i'm really bad at because nobody i know likes watching horror movies and i don't either but i don't watch them by myself so it's like i'm gonna have to find somebody i'm gonna have to fight somebody to watch them with me but like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yes of course of course yes and there was one thing i want to bring up just like okay. really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this new film on Netflix. It's called The Guilty. It stars Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm going to pass on it because if I have to see another movie centered around a cop and how 
they messed up. They did something bad. They're trying to be better. They learn from their mistakes. If y'all don't leave these cops, leave we, these stories to rest. We all watched The Place Beyond the Pines. Okay. Oh we God. have that movie. We don't, we don't need it again. And that was three we different don't. movies, technically. Mm-hmm. So that that's that that's your cop movie, okay? That's your actually good, high quality, nice Ryan Gosling, Bradley mm. Cooper. Um, I don't know. I can't think of anyone else who is in it. Those two. That's your movie. That's your cop movie. Go back and keep watching that. I, I don't like. The weird thing is, like Jake Gyllenhaal didn't do any promotion for the movie. He only talked about how he didn't shower, and then he turned around and was like, "Oh no, I shower." No, I do. I use soap. Like, sir, it's too late. We already got these jokes off. We don't believe you. Yeah, it's okay. We don't believe you, stinky boy. And right? also, sorry, Jake, you, you should know. One, from your experience on the internet. And two, from your experience with Taylor Swift. The truth doesn't matter, okay? The we don't like will, you. The internet will run with whatever <laughs> story happens. The yes. truth has nothing to do with what we talk about yes. on the internet. We don't like you, sir. Like, we've I'm had sorry. to. Also, we gotta run these jokes. Also, Red is re-releasing on November 12th. So yeah. you're about to get a new wave of hate because we're gonna re- go back and remember every single song that's about you. All too well is five minutes long. It's actually 15 minutes long, bruh. Yeah, this yeah, she's releasing the 10-minute version, the full yeah. version. We are ten. going to be crying 10 minutes, 10 minutes of pure agonizing torture, and I will have that on repeat for weeks. It's just a voice memo of her being like, this guy went, walked down the street with my scarf and then acting like he didn't have my scarf. I saw you. We saw. I, Anyways, I'm sorry, Jake Gyllenhaal, for your loss. I'm not um, sorry. I'm sorry that you don't shower. I'm not sorry. <laughs> and your sister can get it too. Maggie, I see you. I peeped game. Yeah. 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 Birds of a feather flock together. I don't care. We can talk about how she didn't want to let James Franco off of her show that she was directing and creating, even though he was accused of sexual assault by like seven different people. Mm-hmm. And she had him go on a whole press tour denying all the allegations just so she could get her accolades. Yep. Mm, yeah. How's that feminism tasting? That's how's it looking like, now, babe? That smells like the bad part of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, girl. Yeah. Get the girl boss. Girl boss your way to the top. Yes. yes. Go boss, queen, slay, house boots down. <laughs> yes, honey. But I'm not watching Guilty. The Guilty, no. I, <clears throat> it's obviously going to be a movie about a cop who did something wrong and then something happens and someone almost dies and he's like, oh, I'm, I've changed. I'm new. I'm not, like, I'm not a bad guy anymore. I'm not a bad cop anymore. Like, I'm tired of movies where people are irredeemable ir- 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 characters and then one bad thing happens to someone and then they're suddenly like, what's this feeling? Is it empathy? Is this what I've been missing my whole life? I have just realized that I am not the main character. <laughs> <laughs> not all about me? Wait, what? These are people too. <gasps> Other people have feelings and emotions and I should consider them before making my decisions. <gasps> oh my gosh. That's a coming of age movie right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a coming to sense movie right there. I love that that man really was supposed to like promote this cop apologist film and nobody cares. Everyone wants to talk about how he probably smells like pennies. <laughs> so it is the more interesting story. It is a more interesting story. Fuck your movie. We don't care. Fuck your movie. We're watching Squid Game. 
All right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I'm not even watching Squid Game. I'm going to pass on that too. I'm going to pass on Squid Game. Y'all are not having me watch any kind of like poor people have to struggle in order to make money and survive. Like, oh, look, the U.S. is about to run out of money and Squid Game just came out. I'm tired of the conspiracy theories. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Drop the trillion dollar corn in the bank and leave it alone. Don't put me through another recession. Make it happen. I know the economy isn't real. Stop playing with me. All right. I know that money is fake. I'm not going through a zombie apocalypse. I'm not turning to Candace Everdeen. I'm not doing this. Y'all got the wrong one. Yeah, sorry. This isn't the fifth wave, okay? (laughs) We're not living through this. I'm writing my journals and you can publish them when the society comes back to normal. If I'm and if two teenagers dare to kiss in my attic, I will be coming back. I will be haunted. I am possessing the tour guide and I'm beating you both up. We're (laughs) fighting. We're brawling. Okay. Record that. Put that on YouTube or something. That's going to be the highlight of your life, okay? And then run me my AdSense check. Run exactly. me that money. Exactly. I don't care if I'm in the afterlife. I need that check. You clearly know where my grave is. I'm famous enough that you're kissing in my attic. Yeah. Run it to my grave. If y'all decide, if you think that you falling in love with a person who's part of the... Like, if you're a person of color and you fall in love with an oppressor and you think that you're doing that in my name, you're not. No. You're absolutely not. not. You're not. I'm burning your house down. I don't know what the history textbooks taught you about me, but they were lying. I'm going to tell you right here, right because now. Because history is written by the victors, and the victors are assholes. Exactly. So yeah, that that was um that was that cheesy was... coming of age movies. Yeah, that was it, guys. This has been uh, I've been being to watch that. Glenn, say goodbye to the people. Where they can where can they find you? Um, okay, you guys can find me anywhere if you just look up Sir Gleneth. That's just S-I-R-G-L-E-N-N-E-T-H. Um, I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok. Um I I, I don't know, I'm just around. All right. And you'll see me on here more. Uh so yeah. be excited for that. Clearly we're an amazing duo. So Yeah. Uh new podcast episodes come out every Thursday. Uh I'm we're making a TikTok. We have an Instagram, check us out in the description. Follow us on Spotify and listen to us on Anchor if you like. And that's about it. So oh, leave, with, leave reviews. Leave reviews. Sorry. Leave reviews. Stuff. Leave reviews. Five star reviews because we are five star bitches. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> leave reviews. Share the podcast. Listen to it. Follow us on social media. Tell your friends. Tell your family. All that stuff. All that jazz. All right. All right. And have a good day. <laughs> have a great day, you guys. Yeah. And be sure to wash your legs. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Don't kiss the Ambrose house. <laughs> yeah, don't kiss the Ambrose house. Ingrid's. <laughs>